I'd like to read two Bible readings to you this morning. The first comes from Philippians chapter 2, and I'll be reading from verse 6 to 8. The second portion of reading will come from Luke chapter 2, and it'll be from verse 8 to 14. So you can join as I read the reading as you follow it on the screen. Jesus was in the very nature of God, and yet he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. From Luke we read, And there were shepherds living out in the fields, nearby keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with him, the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace on those whom his favour rests. May God bless you as we share and further read from God's word. Thanks, Jocelyn. Well, good morning. It's good to be together. It's particularly good to have uh, Paul and uh, and Joe here. Um, both thankless tasks they are. Um, cleaning. I'm amazed that Joe can uh, do such a great job. And then the minute the school comes in, you wouldn't even know he'd been in the place. Sorry, Joe, but you know what that's like, don't you? And then Paul, um, I realised again yesterday what a thankless task uh, refereeing was. And we had our academy, and Paul coordinates all the the junior referees that come each Saturday morning. And so we gave a presentation, invited all the teams in. We uh, thanked um, all our coaches. And I'd invited the uh, the referees to come in so we could thank them. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? We thanked all the coaches. We thanked all the mums and dads. We thanked all the players. And I've forgotten in the midst of that to thank the referees. Refereeing is truly a thankless task, but we couldn't play the game without you. So um, thanks again, Paul. Well, in... 1847, a commissioner of wines was asked by his local parish priest to compose a poem for Christmas Eve. This fellow, Placide Capiel, was probably a little bit surprised because he was known more for his poetry than he was for his church attendance, but nevertheless, he proceeded to work on this poem. And he hopped on a carriage and he was travelling from his home uh, town in France through to the capital, Paris, an amazing thing happened. By the time he reached Paris, he'd finished this poem, Cantique de Noël. And so he'd finished the poem and he decided what he needed now was uh, music to go with it. So he approached a mate of his, a fellow called uh, Adams. And Adams was a Jew as well as a classical musician. So Adams was also surprised that he should be asked to write the music to a score that was celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. But they both developed this together. And less than three weeks after the initial request from the priest, 
This song was performed for the first time in France, in Paris. An amazing thing. Amazing thing. And the French people loved it. And they grabbed hold of this song and they wouldn't let it go. But a few years later, uh, Capel, he left the Catholic Church to follow the teachings of socialism. So he walked away and then it was discovered that Adams wasn't a Christian, he was a Jew. And so the church banned the song. No one was allowed to sing it. After all, how can a song that had come out of such dubious circumstances be used to praise God, they reasoned. But the French people wouldn't let it go. I mean, you can't let a good song, leave a good song alone, can you? Plays in our mind. And so these French people used to sing it over and over and over. And it gained a new life when an American um, slave uh, um, abolitionist, is that what you say? Abolish... Abolitionist, that's the word, thank you. A slave, I'm glad you're listening. A slave abolitionist picked it up and he particularly loved the words in that last verse. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. And so he took that song and he um, put the English words to it, the English translation that we even sang this morning. Although we didn't sing the second verse and I want to reflect on some of that today. Second verse has been left out in a lot of what we sing, and I think it's got something to do with the metering of this, of the uh, of the message itself, of the song itself. So here we were with this uh, great song that the French loved, and the Americans are now picked up, but was banned from the church. But legend has it that the church reinstated it as a result of the uh, the war between the French and the Germans in what they called the Franco-Prussian War. And in the midst of that war, a Frenchman got out of the out of the trench and he walked in the midst of the war, right into the centre of the battleground and without any um, armoury in his hands or by his side, he looked up to the heavens and he started to sing, Cantique de Noël. It was such a shock to everyone. So the Germans on the other side started to sing back some of Luther's hymns. And what followed was a song fest. And also what followed was an amazing truce that lasted on that Christmas day. What an amazing story, the background of this carol that we sing so often. Certainly my favourite carol, Oh Holy Night, especially if it's sung by someone like a Sylvie Palladino or someone like that. It's got an absolutely fantastic voice. It's an amazing carol that, that just builds for us all of that emotion. It's a song that the church found profane because it came from this... Uh, kind of, uh, I suppose, uh, dubious background, but God used it for his glory. And that shouldn't surprise us because that's what God does. God is a God of redemption. doesn't matter whether we're talking about songs or we're talking about people. The reason I have a relationship with God is because God took a, a person from dubious background, so to speak, someone that didn't measure up and is doing something in my life. That's who God is. And even last week as Luke finished off Amos chapter 9, we read in Amos chapter 9 all the judgment that God was pouring out on the, on the people of Israel because of their neglect of the poor, because of the way they trampled over them, they abused them. All the poor and marginalized were just walked over by the people of God who should have been looking after them. And yet right there in the midst of that judgment, those last five verses that Luke concentrated on last week talk about God's redemption about God taking those things that are broken and building something remarkable out of them. So those words that we meditated on last week, I will restore, 
I will repair broken places. I will bring back my exiled. I will rebuild the ruined cities. It's an amazing picture of God's love for us. In all our sin and in all our depravity, God redeems and renews us with his grace, with his mercy, with his healing and with his hope. That's what I want to concentrate today is looking at this aspect of this beautiful, beautiful carol, O Holy Night, and to pick out the reason that we can have hope today as we face Christmas. The first thing I want us to look at is there is hope in the middle of a broken and a tired world. O Holy Night, the first verse says, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Then these four lines, I want to pick out a theme from that. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Now I'm not going to keep reading just in case you want to break out and sing. I mean, here we have the fact that the world was there in sin and still is a world in which there is sin. But God appears and there is a thrill of hope in the midst of that situation. It is easy for us to become pessimistic in life. This world is a broken place. This world is a tired place. And it's easy to become pessimistic. But this world today is no more broken than it was years ago. Sure, violence might be escalating and all those types of things. But I grew up in the 70s. I was a teenager in the mid-70s. Top band in Australia was Skyhooks. An album living in the 70s, one of their songs, Horror Movies. Again, now I'm not going to sing it for you, but you'll be singing yourself for those of my vintage, right? It's a horror movie right there on my TV. A horror movie right there on my TV. A horror movie and it's blowing a fuse. Horror movie, it's the 6.30 news. Horror movie, it's a 6.30 news and it's shocking me right out of my brain. Okay. That's it. Well, I hardly sung it, but thanks very much, you know. It's hardly Australia's got talent. Um, but look, you can see this. The horror movie, it's the 6.30 news. Now, if these skyhooks blokes were blown away by the news in the 70s, what would they think about it now? Well, they think about the state of the world now. The world has always been a broken place. Now, it's interesting that Sheryl, the lead singer, well, he um, he died in 2001 in a helicopter um, accident while he was trying to be a helicopter pilot, which is probably not a good thing for me to think about, seeing that's Josh's occupation. But that was it. And it's a pessimistic world if we want that. And friends, I've got to say that sometimes Christians can be the most pessimistic people that walk around on the face of this planet. We can take the attitude of this world is evil, I've got to pull myself in here, I've got to bunker myself down, and I'm just going to stay here like this until Jesus comes again. I've just got to stay away from this evil world. And yet, there is so much about the fact that Jesus came that first time and that is coming back that needs to inspire us to be the most optimistic and positive people that walk around this earth. The fact that God broke into our world is a reason for us to rejoice. The fact that Jesus is coming back is another reason for us to be excited and positive about living the life that we do. 
we can rejoice and we can have hope. I love that uh, passage of scripture that Jocelyn read before from Philippians uh, chapter 2. Jesus was in very nature God, and yet he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Can you grab hold of that? God, our creator, the God who flung this earth into existence, broke into our world. Jesus came. That's why when he appeared, there is this thrill of hope in this world. And the scriptures tell us that if God did that and we were even reconciled to God when we neglected him and we walked away from him and we were enemies of God, how much more will God breathe life and hope into us when we make our peace with God, when we confess our sin and ask him to lead our lives? Friends, that's why we can have the thrill of hope even in the midst of a hostile world. The kingdom has come. When Jesus came, he ushered in the kingdom, but the kingdom is not yet fully come. That will happen when Jesus comes again. And now in the midst of this, we live between those two stages of history. And we can see all the atrocities that happened. I mean, Jesus, if the kingdom was fully here, why would Jesus have been crucified on a cross? Why would the Apostle Paul have written some of his epistles from prison in Rome? Why would it be that a thousand years after the Christian church had been flourishing in the Near East, after persecution, the Christian faith was almost wiped out? And yet today, there are people that are being persecuted and crucified for their faith, and they are dying as Christians in some oppressive regimes. But on the other hand, we can be optimistic because in China, can you believe it, in China there are over 200 million Christians in a country that in 1917 was still a communist regime. People are turning to Christ in huge numbers in Indonesia, in Bangladesh, in East Africa. We can rejoice in that. There is hope. The kingdom has come and Jesus is going to come again and fulfill it. The very fact that soldiers can stop in the midst of a war and look up and to recognize that there is a God in whom they can trust and have hope is a sign of the ache within each of our hearts to find that connection with our creator. Secondly, we can have hope because the king of kings knows our needs and our weaknesses. Led by the light of faith serenely beaming. With glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from the Orient land. And these three um, lines I want to concentrate on today. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials, born to be our friend. He knows our need, to our weaknesses no stranger. God broke into our world in the macro sense, in the big sense, but Jesus also came to be our friend, to walk alongside us. That's why the Apostle John writing in his gospel could write this, the words of Jesus. Jesus saying, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. 
Christ knows our need. Christ knows us individually. He just didn't break into this world in the big sense of forgiving everyone's sin. Christ came to forgive my sin and your sin and to walk with us each and every day because he's a God who knows us. Psalm 139 tells us how much God knows about us and how much God is concerned with us individually. And these are just selected little verses from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a picture of a God who is personal, a God who walks with us, who knows us, and even though he knows us intimately, he loves us unconditionally. That's why Jesus came. I love this little uh, quote that has been used before, but if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a saviour. A saviour. We can make our peace with God. We can let go of all the guilt and all the shame. And as we confess our sin and come to God, he wants to take hold of us and to lead us and to use us. So what do you need to bring before the Lord today is, is he knows your needs and he knows your weaknesses. What are some of those issues that you are, are battling with in life? Because God is a personal God who wants to walk with you and to, and to teach you and to be your friend right throughout all of those things. And then we can take hold of his promises. Don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God wants to do that. Then we can have hope because he is love and peace and he breaks the chains of bondage. There's no wonder this American fellow, Dwight John Sullivan Dwight, picked up uh, these these uh, verses. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. I love the way this carol builds, not just in the melodic, melodic sense but in its theology. In verse 1 we see God breaking into our world and giving us hope. In verse 2, we see that God is a God who wants to journey with us as individuals, God who knows us individually. And in verse 3, we see that God is a God who wants us to be his agents of peace, to be his agents of love, to fully understand that, and to see him break the chains that bind, and to see in his name the oppression cease. That's God's call on us. 
There are people in our world that are oppressed, that are chained, that are bound. We face battles of so many different kinds. Some will base, will face that battle in the mind and it's a, and it's a, it's a battle with uh, our attitudes and the things that seem to drive us. It can be an attitude with mental illness and we know how widespread that is in Australia at the moment with anxiety and with depression. There are other things that bind us. Those that make poor decisions in life and start to take drugs or uh, too much alcohol or get addicted to pornography or those that are addicted to pursuit of prestige and possessions and power. They're things that bind us. Broken relationships bind us. They hold us captive and we can't move out of that until we put those things right. God's come to break those chains And yet there are other types of oppression in our world. Can you believe there are over 40 million slaves, modern-day slaves in our world today? You and I walked in today to worship God in freedom. Around our world, there's an estimated 40 million people that are caught up in slavery. That definition of modern-day slavery includes human trafficking, forced labour, child labour, removal, forced removal of organs. Can you believe it? How, How... callous is that and slavery like practices one day when jesus comes again all things are going to be made new and as i said i look forward to that day but in the meantime we have a task god's call on us is to be people of peace and people of love and people that pray into our nation and pray into our world to break the strongholds that satan uses to hold people captive And we can do that. We can also give. Even our appeal that Pete advertised before is an opportunity for us to to feed the hungry and to bring the peace and love to someone there. And even our project in the Solomons is not so much about giving a man a fish, so to speak, but it's teaching him how to fish. As we build long-lasting systems over there, job creation and other things around that where we can journey with those who need help. What's God calling you to do today? Maybe it's just to go and speak to your neighbour and see what needs they have. And even to extend a prayer for them or a Christmas hamper. We've got a thing at our church called Care and Concern Ministries, as you know. That is not this committee that meets to decide how we're going to do things with people. Care and Concern Ministries is you. The people of the centre here at Dural. As you minister to friends in your neighbourhood, if you are aware of any need, that you cannot satisfy financially or otherwise, please. See one of the pastors. We love to stand beside your neighbours and friends in their times when they need that. So just as I close, what is our response this morning in all of this? This carol, I think, gives us a great insight into that. The last line of each of the verses go like this. Fall on your knees. Recognise who God is. Behold your King. He is the one we need to worship and evermore be engaged in proclaiming his power and his glory. And my prayer is as we we do that together, that we won't be people that are pessimistically waiting just for Jesus to come again. We people are looking forward to that with a great deal of delight. But in the meantime, that God would fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that we will be people who are bound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit.
Let me pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we want to praise you and thank you that even a carol like O Holy Night carries so much of the power of, of who you are and speaks into us. It speaks of your amazing love for all creation, but also your amazing love for us individually, your plan and your purpose for us. You created us to have a relationship with you. You created us for a purpose. You created us to impact this world, to be agents of your peace, to be agents of your love, to be people who work alongside you in your power to break the oppression and to work in the midst of unjust systems of our world. Today, Lord, we give ourselves to you. And we ask that we would not live life selfishly, concerned about our next needs and what so much we're wanting to do, but, Father, that you would guide us and that you would use us to impact this world the way you did when you broke into it that very first Christmas and the way that you continue to impact this world by the power of your Spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.